Welcome to the podcast, In and Through Exist, to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. That is true. It is. I haven't had lunch yet. Okay. And I'm starving. I just ate a couple pickles. As I, we were so, so all of that really had less to do with me being hungry and more to me pointing out to everyone who would listen that you are having pickles yep. and instant coffee. Okay. Yes. Pickles and instant coffee. Are you pregnant? (laughs) No, I am not pregnant. (laughs) Yeah, the pickles, we had a jar of them in the church fridge left over from our little staff retreat. So I put a bunch of them in a bowl and ate a bowl of pickles. Listen, I'm just going to cut you off. Because you're justifying instant coffee with pickles. Okay, so the instant coffee... And there is no justification. The instant coffee was out of desperation, Tim. And the pickles were not out of desperation. The the pickles were... Pickles are good. You don't like pickles? I do, but not with my coffee. Well, I... There is a marriage of flavors that has to take place. I did them separately. I did the pickles all at once, and now I'm going to do the coffee. Should Should I cleanse my palate with some water first? All right. Whatever. <laughs> so, what is our forest this week, Tim? On our second last week, is that correct? I think so. Wow. We're so close. Yeah. And, and this this could be a little bit tainted for me, even though you came up with it. My my jumping on over. So, this week I'm preaching on hope. That's right. For Advent. Yeah. Uh, and by the time this airs, it will have been a couple of weeks back. Maybe but, yeah, like joy by then or something. Right. But hope seems to be the theme here. Yeah, I think I can see it. I see it in a few of the, in particular, um, in a in a few of the epistles we're going to get through. Hope to come. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and I think like, yeah, we'll get into how that plays out. But I feel like that's uh, that's sort of where we land. So let's let's talk about how we find hope in these passages. All right. So the first day's reading is Philippians. Philippians. So flip over to Philippians. Ouch. Come on. Everyone's heard that one before, right? Ouch. Was, I don't even know if that's going to be a dad joke. I mean, I wasn't... Act, it, it, it's an anti-joke. It's funny because it's not funny. Anyways, that's fine. Let's actually move Well, in. it's definitely not funny. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why <sighs> are, we, are we only at two minutes? Because we've only been doing this for two minutes. What are you talking about? All of that rant of me making fun of your pickles was only two minutes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Let's keep going. Let's leave it. I'm not messing with it. It's great. Philippians chapter one. So at this point, Paul is in jail. Okay. And he wants to let the Philippians know, hey, my imprisonment has actually kind of been a good thing. You would never want an enemy like Paul. <laughs> Paul. Yeah, I see what you Yeah. Because if you let him go, he's going to do the thing you don't want him to do. And the more you try to stop him, the more he loves it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you can kill the guy. He doesn't even care. Like he's like to die is gain, whatever. Right. Like, That's what I was hoping you'd do. Yeah. <laughs> right? Is the only reason I'm here is because I have to be. So so thank you. And you'd be like, well, I, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's got to be a frustrating guy to deal with. Yeah. If you're an enemy. For sure. For sure. And so 
Paul is is writing to the Philippians, and one of the things he wants from them is to just be of the same mind, the same love. And how he kind of argues for that is by presenting Christ's example of humility. Oh, Philippians chapter 2 is just incredible. Mm -hmm. That idea that of Christ humbling himself. uh, Now, some people are going to take that whole considering equality with God not something to be grasped. It doesn't mean grasped in that he doesn't have it, and he's trying to obtain it, Mm -hmm. reaching for it, and can't be grasped. Mm -hmm. What it means is it is something that he had, Mm -hmm. but chose not to hold on to because he had a reason. Yeah. He is relinquishing that Mm -hmm. in order to fulfill a purpose. Yeah. And following that example is how we can be of the same mind. Like, if there is discord and disunity Mm -hmm. in the church, the solution to that is actually that we would relinquish our grasp on some of the things that we have and humble ourselves before one another. Just because you have a right to it, out of love for others, doesn't mean that you maintain that right. Mm -hmm. If you can find an opportunity to use that as a means of love. Yeah. Yeah. And, And we use the word condescending only negatively. Right? Oh, that person is so condescending. What does mm-hmm. it mean? It means they, they came down from where they were to where they are now. Jesus condescends mm-hmm. in an immeasurable way. And that's what Philippians 2 is telling us. It's yeah. talking about the condescension of Jesus, that he left his place on high to come down to where we are. And it encourages us to condescend mm-hmm. and to set aside self for the whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't grumble. Right, he talks about that. That kind of makes sense. Don't grumble. Rejoice in all things. Chapter 3. Avoid legalism. Right? There's no advantage in that. Paul talks about how, you know, amongst that circle, I mean, he had it all in that regard. Yeah. Right? His resume as a, as a, a Jewish expert of the law was stacked, but he considers all of that as loss. Right. So don't don't think that there's any advantage to these people who may have these stacked resumes due to their heritage or their instruction in the law or whatever that might be. Don't 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 look at that and say, oh, well, then what they must be bringing, although it is a different gospel, a different teaching of some kind that there's that's Mm -hmm. better that 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 adds to their argument. It, It doesn't. Right. And we do this. We do this to some degree. There are certain people to be like, oh, well, that person is Jewish, so they know the Old Testament better than a pastor ever would. Possibly, but not necessarily. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In fact, probably not, if they don't come to the conclusion that Christ is the Messiah. <laughs> One could argue, eh, maybe they don't know it all that well. Uh, anyways, uh, and Paul, there's a great passage at the end of chapter 3. Um, talking about pressing on, right? Um, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's he's going after it. He's in chains, and he's still going after it. Forgetting what was left behind. What was left behind? 
I mean, he was an affluent Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. He was a rising star in the Jewish community, potentially gr- being groomed for, you know, to be high priest eventually at some point, right? Yeah. Well loved, well respected by his peers. And yeah, so all the things of this world, yeah, that he he leaves behind the the comforts of this world, what this world has to offer, he leaves behind. I think it's also more than that. This, have you seen the movie Paul? I have not actually. Okay, great movie. Okay, right, like it's that's not just to say it's a useful movie. That's to say it's a good movie. Mm. Okay, um, cool. As far as not not as far as Christian movies go, but as far as movies go, oh, it's good. well done. Uh. Don't want to give don't want to give too much away in the movie. I mean, <laughs> spoiler alert, alert: We've read Acts, but yeah. there are some interpretations in there that I think are great. One of them is Paul is tormented mm. in his dreams about the persecutions that he committed mm. early in the church, and that is how they interpret the thorn mm. in his flesh. Interesting, and. Uh, and so that is another thing. Like our sins and our troubles are also things that we put, we leave behind us hmm. to press on. Hmm. Right. I like that. I like that. And so as we continue on, we rejoice always. We aren't anxious. We bring things to God in prayer. And I love kind of his personal, um, touch with them where he's, he's thanking them for their assistance. Cause the Philippian church has sent him, a gift of some kind to help him in his, in his situation. Mm-hmm. And he's like, thanks. Technically I didn't really need it, but thanks. Thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> thanks for thinking of me. Right. Cause he's, cause he says that, you know, I've learned the secret of contentment in all things, mm-hmm. right. How to abound, uh, how to be brought low. Um, and so that, that verse of, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, which is like, you know, the, verse that's like pasted on all sorts of like Christian sports stuff. Like I can catch that touchdown through Christ who strengthens right. me. That's totally out of context. What the context is, is I can face good times and bad times, mm-hmm. plenty in need. You know, I can face all of that through Christ who strengthens me. Right. And, and I think, I think this is, this is telling you live for Christ in the circumstance he has placed you in. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, yes, he has put aside the things of the world entirely. So what we can be tempted to do is to say, okay, well, let's get legalistic about it. How much do I put away? How far away do I put it? Am I making too much money? Am I not making enough money? What, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. Paul says, no, this is where I'm at. It's not where I've always been. Each one has their own set of temptations. Mm-hmm. right? You think about the proverb where it says, uh, give me my daily bread, not so little that I would steal and shame your name, but not so much that mm. I would forget you and say, who is the Lord? Yeah. Right. Paul's saying just where you're at, serve God there mm-hmm. with what you have where you're at, mm-hmm. because they each have their own set of temptations. They each have their own struggles. But through Christ who strengthens me, I can I can do that. I can be there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's Philippians. Next, we get into 1 Timothy, which is the first of the pastoral epistles. So essentially, Paul has discipled Timothy and has set him up in Ephesus to oversee 
a, a group of churches probably. Right. Right. And so he's writing to Timothy because, you know, he's young and he's trying to figure this thing out and he needs, he needs some help, needs some direction. Yeah. The, First Timothy and Titus are the closest thing we have to instructions on how to operate the church. Mm. Um, and even at that, a lot of it is, we use this saying a lot when we're going through judges, we haven't used it much since. A lot of it's descriptive and not necessarily prescriptive. Mm. Uh, but when we get into prescription, a lot of it takes place here, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We see him saying, this is how, this is how churches operate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, some of the things that Timothy's to do is kind of keep tabs on what people are teaching, like be looking right. out for false teachers. How people show up at church, mm. right? Like talking like talking about how people show up a mess, mm-hmm. right? You've got men that are showing up just being angry mm. and taking what's there for them mm-hmm. and bringing that to church with them. Uh, you got women that are showing up that are trying to be atten- the attention center of attention mm-hmm. instead of let, allowing Christ to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. And he's like, both of those scenarios are you being concerned with people looking to you mm-hmm. and you're more focused on who you are and how you're treated. than you are the reason we've come in, in which case technically flips the object of worship mm-hmm. from being external to internal. Right. I require the church to see me in this way and this is how I'm going to act until I get it. Mm-hmm. And in that we become our own object of worship rather than saying, Hey, you know what? It's not about me. Allow me to fade a bit mm-hmm. and others to, uh, to, or another Christ mm-hmm. to be, um, the one that people see. Yeah. He must increase. I must decrease. Um, I mean, there's a lot about, the orderliness of worship, which we already kind of discussed. What does it mean to be an elder? Yeah, the quality. I think, so we commonly use the word qualifications for elders. I think that's not the best word. I think characteristics of an elder is a better word. Mm-hmm. Most of these are not skills. They're just characteristic traits. Mm-hmm. And they are not next level characteristic traits. Mm-hmm. They are things that all Christians should be practicing, yeah. but that if a person is struggling with and not practicing would disqualify them from mm-hmm. being an elder. Yeah. And I also think, too, at the same time, there are things that we can see manifested in our lives but are not perfected this side of eternity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, no one is going to perfectly live up to these standards. No one's going to express some of these characteristics as well as Christ did. Right. Um, and yet we still, they're here for a reason because this is to help uh, discern who is fit for, for that role. And it, one of the interesting things it says, like if you desire that task, that's a good thing. Right. And so what he's saying is people should say, I, I would like to be an elder. Mm. It's Okay. It's okay to say, no, I, I would like to be an elder. I'm not going to wait for the nominating committee to come and beat my door down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to them and say, hey, raise me up mm-hmm. for this position. I'm interested. Let's right. talk about it. Right. I'm going to throw you a bone here. Okay. And we're going to talk about something that you would like to talk about, but maybe would have breezed over. Okay. What is an elder and what is a deacon and what is the difference? <laughs> you like that? Yeah, sure. Merry Christmas. Brother. Yeah, thanks, man. 
Uh, so, so the first time we see kind of this distinction, it actually is kind of back earlier on in, in Acts. Acts 6? Yeah, what's happening is that the, the apostles who are overseeing the, the church in Jerusalem, they are busy. They're busy doing the work, the, the teaching and the correction and, and all of those things, the oversight. And there's just work to be done. There right. is just like practical things. And, and so the, the example that came up then was widows who were not getting the assistance from the church. And they needed a team of people to oversee that those things were being taken care of. A community meals director. Sure. Yeah, ex- essentially. Yeah. Yep. And so and so they looked for qualified people within the church to fill that role. They still had many of the same qualities that an elder might have, mm-hmm. but there is a distinction of focus. There's overlap, right? Like an elder must also understand practical things, but there is a spiritual focus. Whereas a deacon must be spiritually minded Sure, but there is a more practical focus and execution in what it is that they're doing. Right, and, and that one distinguishing thing is the only skill that we see in the characteristics of an elder, which in First Timothy is going to be expressed on the positive side, mm. and I would argue in Titus is expressed the same thing, but from a negative perspective, mm. and that is the ability to teach sound doctrine mm-hmm. and defend against false doctrine. Yep. So it, it, that doesn't mean that they have to be waxing eloquence. No. Right? It, it doesn't mean that, that they are the, the one who is going to be l- preaching all of the time. Mm-hmm. What it means is they know the—they're not just good guys. They're not just solid Christians. They are also informed to the point that if you had a need for someone to explain a biblical or theological concept— they would be the kind of person you would go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when there is an issue at play, they have a good enough handle on the word of God to mm-hmm. be able to bring that into that situation and apply it in a faithful way to resolve that problem. Not based on their own experience and understanding, but but based on what, what the scriptures have to say and how they speak into that situation. Right. And it's always used in a plurality. Yeah, elders always, always more than one. Yeah, right. Uh, and so, so this is the way this is the way that I read the elders thing. the The words overseer, elders, um, and uh, and what's the other pastors? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pastor, overseer, elder are all three going to show up in this week's reading? Mm-hmm. All three are used interchangeably. Yeah. First Peter chapter five, or Second Peter chapter five. Shows us that no first verse five first yeah. okay yeah it's all it's all right there together yeah 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 right uh and so and so what I see in that is this here's what an elder is an elder is a pastor mm-hmm. right so our elders should be seen by themselves and others with that level of responsibility spiritually agreed you and I are elders then that do so much work of ministry that it would be unreasonable to ask us to also hold down a job on the side to support our families. And so that we can focus in the work of elders and lead as elders, the church has compensated us financially. Mm -hmm. So I am first and foremost a child of God. Memorial Baptist Church happens to be 
my local church mm-hmm. where I have been elevated to the position of elder and compensated for the amount of work that I'm doing for the church. Yeah. That's the way I see yeah, that's a good way my to see role. It. Yeah. 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 It's just been like, I think culturally, especially in recent generations, people have just kind of subdivided things. It's almost like we're slipping back into like a Roman view of like clergy and laity as right. being distinct things. Right. And it's like, no, no, mm-hmm. I, you know, you could say I'm, I'm a full-time pastor and, and some of the elders are part-time, although maybe that's not the best way of describing Lay pastors it. is yeah. what some will go lay, with. Yeah. yeah. Lay pastors or whatever. Right. Like, so anyways, hopefully people are, are starting to get that. Um, get and that the, d- and the distinction then for a deacon are ministry leaders. Yeah, essentially, yeah. Right? So you have a kids' men director, uh, you have women's ministry leader, we already mentioned, community meals director. All of these are specific ministries inside of the church, even some of the fiscal things, financial ministry teams, that sort of thing. Those oh, yeah. are Those are practical applications where the work of the church is being carried out, um, and that is, that is then what a deacon is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a good way to— and, and I would say from our complementarian perspective, when the Bible talks about elders, mm-hmm. it talks about men holding that role. Mm-hmm. When it talks about deacons, it talks about men and women. Yeah. Um, and so those are the distinctions that we'll see. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's how I would hold to it. Um, chapter 4, <laughs> there's just this little bit that, that stood out to me. I know we got a lot to get through today, but— uh, Paul talking about how the Spirit expressly says in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. When I read that, I was like, oh, I know what he's talking about there. And I'm not going to name it, but forbidding marriage. And forcing absence from certain foods at certain times. <laughs> right. So so part of that is is the Judaizers, which yeah, we've already talked an, about. In an immediate sense. That yeah. is going to continue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and later on, I, what I always think when I, there are two parts. Mm-hmm. When I read that section and when I read uh, uh, three parts, no one should call you father. Right. <laughs> and don't require people to call you father. Right. And when I read about them going to Peter's mother-in-law, right, I think how many times did a scribe get to this point? Raise his hand to ask a question, right? Like yeah. a medieval scribe who's copying the Bible for the Catholic Church, raise his hand and be like, "I got a question about this part." And just <laughs> keep your head down and keep writing, son. Yeah, yeah. You're supposed to be writing, not reading. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh man. Um, and we have also every youth pastor's favorite verse. You know what that is? What's that? Don't don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many how many youth conferences or youth pastors or youth videos like I just like I I avoid that verse just because it's just so done all the time. Mm-hmm. Because they're like don't let anyone look down on you because you're young and then they stop and it's like, "Oh, but you know, be an example." In all these things, so right. like the the message at the at the the youth event should be like, yeah, be more godly than your grandparents' kids. Yeah, that's why. You, and if you are, 
then they shouldn't look down on you. <laughs> how does it feel? How does it feel to have now crossed the threshold where that verse is no longer for you? <gasps> yeah, I guess you're maybe, thirty. I know I'm older than Timothy was probably. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Oh man. Wow. You can just scratch that out of your Bible. I'm still it's no longer about you. I still don't have a lot of grays yet, so I'm. <laughs> I feel like I'm holding holding the the age at bay, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean. And essentially, I mean, the end of First Timothy, more stuff about false teachers and, mm-hmm. and avoiding them and talking about people who are desiring to be rich, who can fall into temptation. And if you are rich, here's what you do. Be generous. Like, understand that God's blessed you this way for a purpose. And, you know, to Timothy, it's really just keep fighting the good fight, brother. Right. Just keep on keeping on. Right. God's got you where he does for a reason. So don't don't be discouraged. Yeah. Very instructional. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I think when we get into Second Timothy, Timothy, we'll see. There it's maybe less instructional, more in, encouragement. Yeah, more personal. Too. Yeah, very personal. Yeah. yeah, we'll get to that next week. Uh, Titus, again, we have qualifications, or as you would put it, characteristics of elders. Right. Um, yeah, and that's where you get the little bit about how um, he must hold firm, trustworthy, word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Right. Um, yeah. But a lot of the same principles, watch what you teach and watch what other people are teaching, uh, going over the rules and roles of the different people in church family. Um, essentially, and he tells Titus in chapter two, verse 15, essentially just to do your job, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. Look, you're there for a reason. You're there as a servant, but you're not there as a doormat. Do your job, even when it's hard, because it can be hard. Amen. Yeah. Um, Carry on. Yeah, sure. Uh, Chapter three, be at peace with people. Have grace for them. You know, and and he kind of goes, he kind of reminds, he's like, look, like, you guys were all caught up in this nonsense before too, right? Like you've been there, have grace, do good works and, you know, avoid the foolish controversies, avoid divisive people. Um, you know, and th- this is kind of, this is how you, you keep the peace in a godly way, uh, within the church. So I, I, I thought that was good. I thought that was insightful. Any yeah. other thoughts on Titus from you? Uh, yeah, but it's my highlight, so I kind of want to hold it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So First Peter, um, we went through First Peter in depth not too long ago. Yeah, with our uh, uh, Praxis group. Yeah. Which, this is where, like, I, maybe at this point people would be looking, they'd be like, you said the forest was hope. It seems like the forest is ecclesiology. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this this is where the hope really kicks in. Yeah. Right. Peter, especially in the first chapter, is going to go over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Your hope is in a hope to come. Mm-hmm. Right. On that day when Christ is revealed. Mm-hmm. Right. That is what we're working toward. That is what you are being tested for now. Um, and he just he puts a lot of a lot into that. And uh mm. And I think it's good. I, I, I think, yes, we need to be able to look. I mean, my sermon this week is about hope in our circumstances right now, mm-hmm. that God is active in and among us now. That is that is a necessary teaching of Scripture. I think um, the greater teaching of Scripture 
mm-hmm. is hope that when all of this is concluded, we become heirs mm-hmm. with Christ. Yeah. Yeah. We get to inherit, right? Um, I love his language to the church about being a chosen race and a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Like, you guys are special. And so when he calls them to holiness, he's like, you are holy, so be that way, right? Like, that, that's kind of a that's kind of a thing that kind of stick, sticks out to me. He's like, you are, you are a holy people. You've got a holy calling. Um, so, so walk that way. Yeah, very Pauline in that sort of live mm-hmm. a life worthy of the call. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Peter has his own things. We've already read, you know, what uh, Paul has had to say in Romans about submission to authority, but mm-hmm. Peter's got his own little bit to add as well, um, which, you know, essentially is just kind of like, look, submit to the authority, right? Whether it be the emperor or the governors or whoever it might be, just just do it. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, right? And and I think this is worth pointing out that we haven't talked about Peter in a long time. No, not really. We haven't talked about Peter since he was let out of prison by the earthquake, mm. showed up at his friend's house, and they were all like, Peter's here, and they're so excited they forgot to let him in. <laughs> um, he kind of he disappears pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And... And then we have these letters from him. Church history tells us he went to Rome, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's where he's writing from here. But Peter is a guy who has been exiled and was hunted. Yeah, and he is writing to exiles. Right. This is not a. We talked about it last time, right? This is not submit to the the authorities so long as you approve of what they have put forth, mm-hmm. because you can't submit. To people that you, you can't submit in a situation that you approve of. Right. Right. You, in order to truly submit, it has to be something that you wouldn't have otherwise chosen. Mm -hmm. And so, regardless of whether or not he feels that Nero is doing things justifiably, (laughs) he's telling them, submit and leave it to God to sort it out. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, for those people who are saying, "Wait, wait, wait!" Obviously, to the not at the expense of being obedient to Christ, not at the expense of the gospel. Yeah, yeah, right. That when it when it comes to changing the message, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um. So w- when the church comes to, or when the government comes to you and says you can no longer say that Jesus is the only way because that's too exclusive. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We're gonna have problems. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. Yeah, those those kinds of things. When when it comes to adjusting, if they wanted to come at us and say, "Hey, if you start, if you start, if you continue to teach so exclusively that Christ is the way, the truth, and life, and there's no other, then we're going to revoke your charitable status." Mm-hmm. Right? I'll mail it to you and save you the trip. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, you've crossed the line. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he has discussion about the relationship. Uh, between wives and husbands, um, just how to how to have that healthy relationship. He talks about suffering for doing good, um, and that that might even be God's will in your life. Like it, it, it could be that part of the plan for your life is to do good things and to suffer for it. Yeah, but that's what Christ did. 
Yeah, and there are those there are those today who love to teach God heals every time, and God only wants you to be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. And Peter tells us the opposite. Peter says sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Not because you did something wrong, right? Not because you need to be punished. Mm. Not always, mm-hmm. although that can be a thing. Sometimes God is just going to lower you to elevate himself. Mm-hmm. Because there are two ways that a person can bring honor and glory to God that are extremes, right? Mm. Being raised up and in what the world would call blessed and saying this all came from God, sure. Mm-hmm. There are also those who are crushed and have nothing and live humbly and say, I don't need because the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Yeah, he's enough. And that's what Paul's talking about in Philippians 4.13. That's right. That's so right. Allow, allow that lesson to be driven home today by both Paul and Peter. Yeah. Um, he talks about self-control, the need for that. Um, all, you know, almost all of First Peter is about humbling yourself. Mm-hmm. Stop looking out for number one. Mm-hmm. And uh, humble yourself. Yeah. Before the government, before the church, before people in your own family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We already kind of talked about the whole idea of suffering, but the phrase to not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you. It's very real. And I think like today we're like, oh, fiery trial, like maybe I lose my job or maybe someone gets sick or whatever. But like for these people, I mean, the fiery trial might have literally been being set on fire mm-hmm. like that's that's a that's a whole other thing right but regardless right. of whatever that trial whatever form that trial takes we ought not to be surprised by it when it comes right like we we we've we've said this a number of times before but we shouldn't be surprised when the world rejects us and hates us i mean jesus mm-hmm. talks about it the apostles talk about it like the the even the prophets in the old testament speaking on behalf of god the, the people hated the majority of them and killed many of them just don't don't be surprised when it comes right like this is this is a part of the expectation of what christian life looks like yeah and, and that doesn't mean we go looking for trouble no we're told we're told this week's reading right to pray for those who are above us mm-hmm. so that we can live peacefully. Yeah, live at peace with everyone. That's what yeah. we want to do. We want to live peacefully. And mm-hmm. so we pray that God would touch their hearts so that we wouldn't have unnecessary and unwanted conflict. Yeah. And we could live at peace. That's mm-hmm. that's our hope. Mm-hmm. But don't be surprised when it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah, I think we've been blessed for quite some time to have lived in that. Mm-hmm. But we shouldn't be surprised when we're not in that. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I, 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 I think where this comes back to hope as the forest of it is, is what we say is, this is not about my circumstance. Mm. My hope is not in my circumstance. So whether, whether it be favorable or unfavorable mm-hmm. in the moment, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The constant is the promise of God. Mm-hmm. And that's where my hope lies. Yeah. And so uh, the wind can shift where it, where it will. Mm-hmm. The constant doesn't, and, uh, and I'm good. Yeah. Deep down, I'm good. Nice. Even though on the surface, I might be floundering. Right, right. 
Yeah, and then he has his own little instruction to the elders, who he actually self-identifies as a fellow elder, which I think is really cool. He doesn't kind of lord his apostolic position above those he's serving alongside, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is really cool. And again, another thing, it's like, oh, really, first pope? Because he's calling everybody fellow elder. Right. Anyways. Um, Yeah, so let's let's get into Hebrews now. Because that's the longest book we have to get through. And Hebrews is, I mean, for me anyways, apart from apart from maybe the book of Revelation, one of the most difficult to work your way through. I mean, I've been through the book of Hebrews a number of times, sometimes in kind of more of a formal study, sometimes just kind of independently or whatever. And there's some stuff to wrestle with and pull apart. And it doesn't necessarily have the same the same kind of logical pro- progression that like a Romans does. Like when it kind of circles back a lot. And when you say a number of times, yeah, one's a number, zero's a number. How many times would you say? Less than you. Probably like, I don't know, <laughs> probably like five you. or six times I've been through. I went through with a couple yeah. guys that I do discipleship stuff. I did a Bible study through yeah. it. No, yeah. that was that was just me just taking kinda, on you. Yeah, I, I'm just feeling like that today. Okay, I feel like I got to from beginning to me? end. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, not an expert on Hebrews. No, there, there are things Hebrews Hebrews has its up and ups and downs. Yeah, right. Like there are times you're tracking along and you're like, yeah, 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 and then you see something you're like, whoa, <laughs> where'd that come from? Right. Some things that we know. One, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, mm-hmm. but we know that the early church has been using it from the beginning. Yeah. Right. It, it's not. It's. All of this sort of like, hey, look what I found in a jar in the desert. Um, those things have not made their way into Scripture. Yeah. Right? They've been vetted by 2,000 years of study, not only on the books themselves, but on the history of who was using them. So right. this has been used by the church and affirmed by the church from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Lots of conversations mm-hmm. on who wrote Hebrews. Yeah. I had, I had a, things apart. I had a... I had one of my youth who is in grade, I think she's in grade seven or eight. She's a junior high. Mm -hmm. And she asked me, we were just having discussion after the lesson at youth. And she's just like, hey, I got a question. Who do you think wrote Hebrews? And I was like, part of me was like, wow, I'm so glad you asked that question. Like, that's just the fact that you're even considering that Mm -hmm. at your age is just super cool. And that you'd bring that to me. And it came out of like family Bible discussion. But then the other part of me was like, why did you ask me that question? Because I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all the hints that everyone has are just based on the language. Yeah. Right. The, the sniff test. It, it doesn't smell like Paul. It's probably not me. Paul. I would say probably not Paul. He usually introduces himself. Lukeish. It is has it? it has some Lucan elements in it. So, it, so the, the way they determine that is they just say there are a number of words mm. that exist in the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. That only otherwise exist in Luke and Acts. Oh, interesting. And so, uh, I didn't. Know is that. it that kind of a vo- is it that sort of vocabulary? But there are also mm-hmm. words there that aren't used in all of Luke and Acts, which are very long books. Mm-hmm. So, sort of to say, like, it it, it kind of be the equivalent of being like if there was a y'all in there mm-hmm. in a church email, they probably wouldn't think that Alex wrote it. They'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. that must have come from the Southerner, mm-hmm. right? But it could have been Alex. Why not? Yeah. And so, so who wrote it? Mm-hmm. Don't know. Yeah. Not going to make a presumption here. Apollos. Bar- no, wait, Barnabas. No, wait, Silas. No, wait, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
<laughs> but what it is is it, it's it, it almost sets up as a sermon because there's not an address, right? Uh, and there's not really the conclusion that you would have in a letter, where you would have like you know greet the, the you know these people by name that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is obviously being written to the Hebrews, yep, who are questioning whether or not they're going to walk away from Christianity back into Judaism because of the persecution they're facing. And the author of Hebrews says, don't. Don't do it. This is better mm-hmm. because this is right. Mm-hmm. Everything before was a shadow anticipating the light that is Christ. Mm-hmm. Stay in the light. Yeah. Yeah. That's Hebrews. Yeah. I mean, how he gets there. Yeah. He starts off with, you know, there's talk about the angels. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You know what's cooler than angels? Christ. Yeah. Prophets, priests, that's cool. You know what's cooler than prophets and priests? The prophet priest <laughs> from the order of Melchizedek. If Hebrews doesn't mess with your head enough, yeah, then you're going to throw in a Melchizedek. Yeah, he's going to make a couple appearances. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so you know, law's good, but what's greater is the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, the mm-hmm. once and for all, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that, is, that is the message of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some things that are in there that are confusing that are gonna that have caused rifts, schisms mm-hmm. over the history sure. of the church. When a person says you can lose your salvation, their proof text is gonna be from Hebrews. Yeah. Right? Even in that, Arminian groups have divided over Hebrews chapter six because some will say, Well, if a person apostatizes, they can never come back. Right. And some will say, well, if you ask for forgiveness, sure, come back, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, how do you interpret Hebrews chapter 6? Mm-hmm. That's the kind of a thing. Um, and then, <laughs> and it also gets confusing in chapter 11. Yeah. because the, the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame. The Faith Hall of Fame, and you read some people, you're like, Samson? Yeah. Really? You're like, Gideon, he started good, but he didn't end so good. Did he start good even? Not even really. He was kind of like good in the middle for a little bit. He yeah. had a moment. He had a moment. <laughs> So you're like, you're like, all right, Faith Hall of Fame, Gideon? I don't know. I don't know. Samson, right? what? <laughs> Samson, that's just almost funny to me. Uh, and, uh, oh my goodness, I dropped his name. I got to turn some Jephthah? pages. Jephthah? Yeah. Yeah, he's... Remember when, back in the Judges when we were talking about a guy who was going to sacrifice his daughter because right. he made it into the Faith Hall of Fame? You know what, though? Here's the thing. Maybe that can give us some hope that even if we don't walk perfectly (laughs) i think that's it yeah i think that's it i think the point is they did what they did not because they were great people Mm -hmm. not because they had it all figured out Mm -hmm. not because they were perfect followers of god Mm -hmm. but because they had faith that god was going to do something through them and so they they stuck their necks out there Mm mm-hmm they were still human. Right. Yeah. Anything else in Hebrews you want to talk about? Be amongst the great cloud of witnesses. Mm-hmm. I, I think we we don't spend enough time in church history. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're going to do in 2021. But God willing, we would love to do a, a year in church history in 2022 yeah, podcast. That'd be cool. Uh, because it is so encouraging. It, when you want to be encouraged in your faith, Read biographies. 
Mm. Biographies are such a big deal. Mm. And read what brothers and sisters have gone before you and done and be inspired by that. That's the testimony of faith. Mm-hmm. And, and to be inspired by those guys, mm-hmm. um, some who were raised up, some who were crushed, mm-hmm. but all for the glory of God. And, mm-hmm. and to read those biographies is so good. Mm-hmm. Read George Mueller, and it'll change the oh, way yeah. you pray. Yeah, um, Yeah. no, the one thing I just want to say about Hebrews before we kind of finish with our, our highlights is I just love time and time again talking about how just Christ is better, right? We already touched on that a bit, mm-hmm. but like Christ is just better, and therefore the sacrifice he offered of himself was better. And mm-hmm. he, you know, we know that he, like, he willingly took that on, right? And, like, and so because, you know, his blood is better than the blood of bulls and goats, like, we have a better covenant. We have a better hope. The, the even the sab- the idea of Sabbath, that, the, you know, the Jews obviously observing the Sabbath rest, even the Sabbath rest that we get in this new covenant, that the, the promise, our hope for that true rest that, that we will enjoy with him, it's just, it's all better. Mm-hmm. right and and yeah you take some twists and turns that can be tricky and there's a lot of like there's a lot of old testament quotes that are just kind of like inserted throughout um but like he's just the author's really just trying to to show these people that like what christ is offering them is just it is the fulfillment of everything that that they had been waiting for as the jewish people and um yeah jesus is better like that's that's hebrews for me. Yeah, no, that's it. What's your highlight, Tim? So I, 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 I'm going to do the two thing. Okay. One, because it needs to be spiritual. Okay. But there's also a great moment in Titus chapter one. Okay. Uh, in Titus chapter one, it says, uh, verse 12, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are gluttons. This testimony is true. Mm-hmm. Therefore, rebuke them sharply, and they may be uh, that they may be sound in faith. I just love that that Paul would be like, "Those people are crazy. <laughs> they know they're crazy, and they're crazy." Oh man, I love it. It's funny how so- some cultures just like own that. Like, there's just like this like stereotypical thing. There's just like you know, like. I grew up with a lot of like Italians going to Catholic school and they're just like the whole like Italian people tend to be kind of loud. Like they just own it. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we are like <laughs> you, you walk in the front door and like mom's in the kitchen three rooms back and she's just like yelling at you to come sit down and eat a bunch of like, it's, it's totally stereotypical. I, I skipped a line of that. I was reading that. Oh. Like, That's not right. Cretans, not there are glutons, but Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, oh, lazy gluttons. Oh man. That's the full thing. Oh man. <laughs> but my uh, first Peter chapter one, mm. the the section that we memorized, mm-hmm. the one of the benefits of memorizing large sections of scripture is the more you read it, the better you understand it. And the thing that really grabbed me, this was a year ago, so I'm going to read it rather than trying to quote it. Mm. The thing that really grabbed me was the amount of work God did to bring me into salvation Hmm. versus the expectation that is on me to make myself lovable Mm -hmm. when it says blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ according to his great mercy he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
he has caused us Mm -hmm. to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He caused us. I did not resurrect Jesus Christ from the Mm -hmm. dead, Mm -hmm. but that is how it came to be, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I can't even mess this thing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God's plan is going to come to pass because mm-hmm. his, the inheritance waiting on me is undefiled, unfading, and imperishable. Kept in heaven for me, mm-hmm. not by me, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. It's there. Mm-hmm. Just going to pull the cloak. Yeah. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold which perishes, though it is tested by the fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you loved him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So good. So mm. good. Mm. Mm. And you? Oh, man. Mine's maybe not as as much of an exclamation point for, uh, as that, but I... We can just skip it then and close. For, <laughs> just kidding. First uh, Timothy 1, 15. Mm-hmm. Paul saying, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. And I uh, I understand why Paul is identifying himself that way. As, as we already mentioned, right, like his his persecution of the church prior to his conversion was significant. Um, and so I realized that. Um, and it's just interesting, like the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, right? That he includes the fact that he is the foremost of sinners in this saying. He's like, yeah, you, right. re- you repeat that. That's okay. Yeah. Right. And so anyways, but for me, like I just kind of, you know, reflecting on, on the sin in my heart, things that I have done in the past and things that I continue to wrestle with. Um, this is just really real. Um, but Christ came into the world to save sinners like me and like all of you. So. Yeah, it, that shows again the harmonization between Peter and Paul mm. because that is Paul humbling himself the way that Peter called us to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. Next time. See you later. We cross the finish line. That's right. I'm so excited.